I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Internet Marketing. So welcome back to the show where we give you the lowdown, the inside information and the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Internet marketing is brought to you by Academy Internet at www.academyinternet.com. I'm Andy White and in episode 35 we'll be covering conversion marketing, how to get the visitors to your site to take appropriate action. And we'll be talking to Susie Miller of certain shops about their online directory with a difference. So stay tuned. Hello, Daniel Rouse. It's been a little bit of a while, hasn't it? You've been you've been flying around at the speed of light, haven't you? I have. There's been a lot going on here, so I want to kind of uh, start off with a little bit of an apology. Um, a few people will have had problems downloading the podcast because we had to take them offline uh, because for two reasons. One, we've become a little bit too popular, and uh, there were so many thousands of people downloading the podcast, it was making our servers completely fall over, and our um, that was obviously affecting our client website. So we had to take the podcast offline for a little while. So we've improved our servers, which means that you should be able to download it a little bit faster from now on. Um, so apologies for the little delay there. And there's been a little delay in recording this one, which relates to a piece of kind of news that I've got as well. In that Academy Internet, the company that you know that, that I kind of work for, we've actually merged with a company called Site Visibility, and they're a search engine company. Who, whenever we went out to do a pitch, we kept coming up against them, and they kept winning. So we were very interested to know what they were doing better than us. And the outcome is that we have gone forward, merged the two companies together. And myself and Damon Lightley from Site Visibility will be joint managing directors of the company. So with that, there's been lots of things changing, um, improving services, getting the clients organised, making sure our clients are happy with the situation. So it's been a busy period. Well, congratulations, uh, Jason. No, you're not Jason, but you could be Jason because you're you're now managing director. Should I be addressing you differently then? Should I be saying Dan Rouse, managing director of Academy Internet Digital? Is that the new Uh, name of the company? Academy Internet at the moment, and we will be uh, gradually changing the company over to, to be AI Digital to encompass both brands and all the new services that we'll be offering. Fantastic. So what are we talking about today then, Um New MD, Dan Rails. <laughs> There's a couple of things. I just wanted to talk about, we've got a very interesting um, email back from one of our regular listeners with a couple of good points in it that I want to go through. And I want to talk about conversion marketing. There's been a bit of a, a shift in the industry and people have started using this term conversion marketing quite a lot. And conversion marketing is a lot of things we've already talked about. It's about improving the conversions on your website. 
basically. Okay, so we've talked about a few of the topics that cover it in the past in terms of analytics, usability, um, version testing, and I just want to have a quick walkthrough of the things that make up conversion marketing and how you should be approaching it and a step-by-step kind of approach. Okay, so the thing about this is it, this is not about getting more traffic to your site, but this is about making the best of the traffic that does come to your site. That's exactly it. Um, a lot of the topics we talked about in terms of search and pay-per-click and all those kind of things are purely about getting traffic to the site in the first place. What we have talked about is you know, usability, how good is the site to use, what are users really doing, but we haven't really gone into the step-by-step process of making the absolute best of that traffic. Now, if you're getting 100 visitors and two of them are buying at the moment, um, you could get another 100 visitors, but it's probably actually going to be a bit easier to just improve and get one more person to buy. And, and it's a, it, if you're doing both at the same time, you're really maximizing your online business. So I want to go through and just say there's, there's a few steps to this. Some of it is very scientific and some of it is very, it's a qualitative judgment on what you should be doing. So the first thing is the usability. And we've mentioned usability before, but I just want to reiterate a couple of points. Usability is purely about making your website easy and pleasant to use and making sure people can achieve their objectives as easily as possible. Because when we come to a website, we are objective-focused. We want to carry out one of a few tasks. This idea of people browsing the web is actually a bit of a nonsense. We don't browse the web. We don't, you know, in some, sometimes we will do if we're kind of a bit bored and we're in that kind of situation. But generally, you're out there, you're looking for something. The user journey starts in a search engine, and predominantly that's Google. And then you find a website and you go for that website to try and achieve an objective. Now, that may be finding somebody's address. It may be buying a product. It may be getting further information, maybe educating yourself, maybe downloading a product. It could be all different things. But each of those things are objectives. We take the step back. We look at what the possible objectives are when somebody comes to our website. And we look at how easy it is to achieve each of those objectives traveling through the site. Now, when we're doing that, there's a few things we can do. First of all, there's best practice, okay? And we need to look at what's been tried and tested and actually works, okay? So one of the best things to do... Now, I've mentioned Jakob Nelson a few times before, and I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Jakob Nelson. Jakob Nelson is the usability guru worldwide and commands extraordinarily high day day rates and um, is an expert in his field, no doubt at all. His website is useit.com. Now, if you go to that website, you will find that if you take all of this stuff too far, you end up with a website that doesn't look very nice, and I don't actually think it's very easy to use. Now, this is uh, coming up against Jacob Nelson. It's probably not one of the smartest things I've ever done in my life, but yeah, I I think it's a controversial point, but if you look at useit.com, it doesn't, doesn't grab you when you get there. And I don't actually find it that easy to use, but there's some very good points in then how people are using websites and what works and what doesn't. And there's lots of eye tracker studies in there as well that allow you to look at how people interact with websites. And an eye tracker study, basically, you put on some specs or use some other equipment and it tracks where your pupils go on the screen, where you're looking on the page, where your eye lingers and so on and so forth. So first of all, look at best practice, go to useit.com, go for another documentation there and see are you doing the things you that, that they have found has worked over the years and have improved scientifically these things actually work on websites has Jacob still got very few images on his website I haven't been there for a while yeah there's almost there's absolutely none on the front page and mm. um, generally the images are off on separate pages when you're looking at um, eye tracker studies for example 
Now, from a, an accessibility point of view and things like that, that's perfect and that works very well, but it doesn't make for a very rich user experience mm-hmm. and it can put a lot of users off. Now, the issue here is it's all very well following best practice, but um, if a user gets there and they aren't grabbed by how the website looks and they don't feel confident of that, they will disappear very quickly. You've got this kind of you know, 0. something seconds period of time for a website to grab your attention if you to decide you're going to stay and commit some time to this. So if the website doesn't look the part, then you've lost part of the battle already. No matter how good the actual content is, you do need to get people reassured this is a quality website. Okay, So you look at the best practice side of things, and then what you're going to do is try and do a bit of a usability audit. You want people to be using your website. Now, usability audit can cost thousands of pounds, but as I mentioned before, there are actually much cheaper and effective ways of doing it. Get people that are your target audience to use your website and watch them use your website. Okay, you do it a few ways. Um, refer back to one of our other podcasts that talks about usability in a bit more depth. But basically, you're trying to make a judgment on how easy it is for people to use your website. Watch how they're using it and see if there are any common mistakes people are making. Um, you can take qualitative and quantitative viewpoints on this. You can say, how easy is it to use? People can say, yeah, it's great. But give them a scale of 1 to 10. Make some changes, take a scale of 1 to 10 again, and just work through that process. But the key thing is watch people using your website and just see how easy they find it to to interact with and then ask them the questions afterwards and get some judgments from people. And literally by just doing that with half a dozen people, you'll see some trends come out and some things that you need to change. Dan, can this literally be as simple as you write down perhaps three to five objectives that they have to do and you watch them do those objectives? Yeah, absolutely. Ask them to make comments on each objective, what was easy, what was hard. And then you may want to ask some questions of scale of 1 to 10, how easy was this to find, how attractive was it, yes. and so on and so forth. So the objectives might be something like you sort of find our contact phone number or um, search and find one of our articles with the search criteria of such and such. Exactly it, exactly it. And you're just kind of seeing how people interact with the site. Mm. Okay. So that's the, the, the very high-level usability. There are a couple of things you can do very, very easily. Once you've done that, there are a couple of other easy wins in terms of improving the conversion uh, conversions on your website first of all you should mention analytics i mentioned analytics lots of times before um i always recommend google analytics free product if you go to google.com forward slash analytics you'll find it you install it on your website and it gives you lots of information what's going on just a little quick comment about google analytics uh, i don't know how long they've had it but they've now got an advanced you know that chunk of code that you copy and paste into your into your footer uh, they've actually got a new, if you look, there's a little link that says like the updated version. What the updated version does, it allows you to put it on a site where some of the pages are HTTPS and some of them aren't. And it deals with that automatically because previously if you tried mm. to do that, you would get errors. You would get that annoying message come up when you went onto a secure page saying, some elements of this page are non-secure. Are you sure you want to proceed in a very BBC voice like that. Mm-hmm. So just be aware that Google now can handle that, but you have to explicitly go to the, I think they call it the advanced code yeah. option when you copy that piece of code. Anyway, Dan, back to you. No, that's a very good point because it, um, it is, that's a usability issue at the end of the day. If you get an, an error message saying some parts of this page aren't secure and you want a secure page, mm-hmm. it makes people very nervous. So I think that's a, it, it's a good point. And um, we've done it on uh, two of our client websites who we started using it, and we've actually found that it's reduced the dropout rates by about 2 or 3%. So it does have an impact. People were leaving the website because they were very made nervous by that. Amazing. So it does, does have an impact. So get Google Analytics on there. 
And one of the more advanced features, or the, one, the ones that people don't tend to use, are the conversion points in analytics, where you literally set up a specific piece of code and you can track, I believe it's five, I may be wrong, different types of conversions. And you literally go in there and you say, okay, somebody filling in this form is a conversion. So you put that specific piece of code on the page that says, thank you for filling in the form. You may some say somebody buying this product. You may say somebody just visiting a page is a conversion as far as you're concerned. And you can track through the paths people have taken to get to those conversion points. So where did they come from? What pages did they travel through? Um, and how did they actually get to convert? And what did they actually do? Okay. So once you start tracking conversions, it gives you some quite interesting information because you can see what part of your online marketing is actually working. Okay. There's lots of information on this in the Google Analytics help documents. So go and have a look at that. Um, and what you want to look at is your conversion funnels. And your conversion funnels show very visually how people are traveling through your site, but where they're dropping out in the process. Okay. Now, the key thing is you want to make the journey from entering the site to completing a conversion, of whatever type it may be, as short as possible. So if you can get somebody to land on the page where they do an activity, that is the perfect situation. Okay, so one, two, three pages is fine. Any more than three pages, you're going to see a drastically increased dropout rate, people leaving the website. So look at your conversion funnels, make sure they're as short as possible, and then start improving the pages in the conversion funnel. Now, if you've done the usability work, you've done people's feedback, and you've looked at best practice, the next step is actually to look at version testing those pages as you go through the process. And there is something we mentioned a long time ago, and I don't think the uptake of this has been great because Google have still left it in beta because it's um, not the most straightforward thing to get your head around in the first place, which is um, Google Web Optimizer. So if you go to Mm services.google.com forward slash website optimizer, and optimizer is spelt with a Z in the American style. So services.google.com forward slash website optimizer. Um, there's information on this particular kind of service. And what this allows you to do is change, for example, the title on your page. And different people will be given different versions of that page. And you can see which version works the best. So it's basically automated A-B testing, isn't it, by the sound of it? That's absolutely it. Yeah. Now, in order to use it, you need an AdWords account. So you don't actually need to be spending any money with Google AdWords, their pay-per-click system, but you do need an account registered. But if you go to that um, URL that I mentioned, you actually get all the details of that there as well. So then you go through looking at your conversion process and you pick out each of the pages, particularly the landing pages, the first people that people pages that people land on, and you start making changes individually to those pages, testing one thing at a time and seeing what impact that actually has. Okay, What's actually really good is that Google have now given some guidance on this and produced some documents that un- help people understand what it's all about. So if you go to services.google.com forward slash website optimizer with a Z again, mm-hmm. there's a document called testingguide.html. Okay, And testingguide.html um, gives you some really good hints and tips on the things you should be testing, what you should be changing, and how it can help you improve your page. So Google have got a lot better, I think, over the last six months of producing really good guidance documents and some good kind of hints and tips in there of what you should be doing. Okay, So if you go through, look at usability, look at the analytics, uh, look at website optimizer, and then keep iterating each of those steps, you will make a big impact to your conversion rates on your website. 
obviously that does rely on you having some traffic coming in the first place. Um, if you don't have that much traffic, we are going to do another search engine optimization feature because it's not something we've done in a little while. And what I'm going to do is get Damon from Site Visibility, the company I was mentioning that we've just joined up with, um, to come and give us an update on the search optimization side of things in our next podcast. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. Now, I just want to go back, just stepping back. Mm. You mentioned um, the Google Analytics documentation, and I keep seeing it and never going there. Have you looked at it, Dan? Is it any good? Yeah, it's actually very good. Um, It started off as being um, just the instructions that Google Analytics used to be a product called Urchin. And it was basically the instructions for using Urchin at a very early point. It's now got a lot of hints and tips on what you should be changing and all various different suggestions in there as well. So as well as being instructions to the software, it actually gives you some really good guidance on what you should be doing to improve your website at the end of the day. So it's, uh, it's really worth reading. Um, a lot of the documentation that Google produces now has best practice and that kind of thing in it. So it's definitely worth sp- taking the time out to actually read for the documentation because they've spent a lot of time and effort in producing it. And it's uh, some good quality stuff in there. Fantastic. So, Dan, what's next? Um, I just want to look at um, an email that we've received from Clear. And I hope I did pronounce that. And I asked this before, so I apologize if I get it wrong this time. Clear sent us an email some time ago. It's from a company called Snooty Paws um, that's based in Australia. And the website address is snootypaws.com.au. Okay. So just on that point, if you want to send in questions, you do get a free plug of your website, you can see as well. So it's definitely worth sending your questions in. Clear made some interesting points, just saying that she'd emailed a few months ago and she implemented a lot of the ideas and it's been really helpful. So thank you for that. She's adjusted the keywords on the page, put them into the headings and the content, etc. And it's improved her rankings quite a lot as well. So it's good that the search engine advice is working. She pointed out a couple of things I'd just like to share with the listeners. Uh, and then she's got a couple of questions that I'd like to answer. Okay. First of all, what Clear said is that she's launched her blog, which is attached to her main website. And when she digs her posts, and I'll explain what that means in a moment, they appear in Google very, very quickly. Now, what Dig is, um, is a social bookmarking website and dig allows you to vote for articles we've mentioned it a little bit in the past but when you're producing a blog particularly if you're producing something in wordpress um, which is a piece of software we always recommend for for blogging so if you look at wordpress.com or wordpress.org there are lots of plugins for that and one of the plugins you can get allows you to add a dig button to any of your articles okay and a dig button allows people to vote and say i found this article useful i dig it therefore i'm kind of giving it a vote now by doing that you end up on the dig website and google seems to be updating itself from the dig website fairly regularly still so literally by just adding that plugin it's free very easy to install Um, you add this dig button you go in somebody digs your article and you're actually going to get that blog entry to appear in google a little bit faster so I think that's a very good point. So thank you for that, Clear. I just put my two pence worth in Absolutely. there, Daniel. I think this whole idea of putting a, a raft of what I call social bookmark helper buttons, there's probably a better name for them than that, is a really good idea, especially on blogs. But also in um, if you've got a website that has news and events or articles, it's a good idea to put them at the bottom of those as well. You'll obviously have to manually handcraft them. Because there are a whole load, I mean, there's, as well as Dig, there's Delicious, Stumble Upon, and a, and a whole other load of them as well. But if you make it easy for people to kind of vote for that article, I think it's a really good thing. And the, I think the name of the plugin for WordPress, or at least one of them, is Sociable. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, the, the good plugins on WordPress that gives you that raft of um, helper buttons. Yeah, I was just going to suggest that there are, um, Sociable is a good example where you can actually select lots of different social bookmarking tools and people can just use one they like at the end of the day. And it's better to allow the user to select which one they're actually using at the end of the day rather than expect them to register for a site they may not be using at this stage. 
One of the other thing that was very interesting is that, just to quote here, it says, I have the heading of my blog match the heading of one of my pages on the website. So, for example, dog collars. And Google links the blog post with my website, and it actually creates two listings. Now, this is interesting because this means that Google is picking up the fact that a web page and the blog page have the same title. So it's associating them as the same product uh, or the same page and about the same topic at the end of the day. And what it ends up doing is that Google is listing both pages but the second one is indented. One of them is indented. Okay. Now that's really good because what Claire's saying here is that she's she's getting first and second place positions, but she is getting number one and number two, and Google is listing them as separate pages. So it's quite interesting to see how Google is realizing because they've got the same page title, they're on the same topic. It's a. Is, is it? I'm sorry, Dan. Pulling the mic away. No, no. Is, is this uh, new behavior from Google? Well, yes and no. I mean, Google is always, if you have two pages from one website and they were on a similar topic, it would list one and then it would indent the second one. But it's quite interesting to see that they're doing this with a blog because the headings, actually, that the title in there matches. So it's obviously quite a good tip if you've got content, if you write something in your blog about it as well, match the headings up so Google can understand they're on the same topic and you're actually helping Google understand that the themes within the website. Headings or titles, Dan? Well, um, we've got here that the headings of the pages. Now, quite often what happens when you're writing a blog, the heading actually ends up being the page title as well. So my advice would generally be the page title is still the most important thing as far as Google's concerned. So um, it's probably the page title that Google's taking more notice of than anything else. So um, so there's two interesting points there. Thank you for those. Quite practical bits of advice yeah. there. A couple of questions here as well. So first question, does Google scan your website if your URL has special characters? I've heard that it doesn't, but I wasn't sure. Now, um, the example character here, we've got a percentage sign. Google does look at URLs with special characters. If you do a search for pretty much anything, if you scan through the URLs, you will see there are lots of special characters in there. But um, Google prefers titles that are in and URLs that are in plain English at the end of the day so if the url is written in nice clear english that includes the words that people are searching on you're in a much better position at the end of the day so it doesn't do a great deal of harm to have some special characters in there but generally the advice is try and have plain english and try and use the words that people are searching for okay so lots of dynamic websites that use various programming languages will end up creating urls that have special characters in it's not the end of the world but it's not ideal but google does definitely still read them Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Google gets upset when it gets very, very long. So if you end up having lots of variables in your URL and there's lots of special characters, it does get to a point where Google stops giving as much value. Mm. But generally, it doesn't do a huge amount of harm, but you're better using normal language. Okay, so hopefully that answers that one. The other question here was, how do you get your pictures to be picked up by Google Images? Um, I noticed that some of our pictures appear when you type in dog outfits, but I'm not sure how, this, how I did this because I'd like to do it more. Google can't read an image, can't understand what an image is actually all about. Okay, so they have to rely on other um, clues that you're giving them throughout the page. First of all, they will look at the optimization of the page overall. So what is that page actually optimized for? They will look at the file name of the image. It's a very important thing. So if it is a picture of, for example, a dog outfit, mm. the file name should include the words dog outfit in it somewhere. Should that file name be underscored, do you think, Dan, or, or hyphenated? Um, I'd say hyphenated rather than underscored. We did some testing, and it proved that Google sees a hyphen as a space, so it does see the two words as separate. If you put in an underscore, it sees the whole thing as one word, so it won't separate. So use a hyphen, separate the words, make sure the file name is um, the search words that people are searching on that you actually want it to be found for. Also, the alt tag. Make sure that you've got the right words in the alt tag. Don't forget the alt tag is for accessibility first of all so you need to make sure it describes the image and put it into context but try and get the search words that you want the image to appear for into the alt text as well you can also use a title attribute in an image tag as well so set the title attribute accordingly as well to include the search words in there and then if you can have some um, comment under the image on the page that kind of flags up what the image is all about. That's always helpful. And then it's about the overall theme of the page as well. So it comes down a lot of the optimization stuff that we've talked about in the past, but very much talking about what that image is about. And that will hopefully help them get picked up in Google Images. Okay. That's quite interesting, actually, because I've often wondered what how Google decides to classify these images. Yeah, and I think more and more people are using it and becoming aware of it as well. So it is really good to get your images up there because it just gets more people aware of your website at the end of the day. There is one other question here that's, that's um, been asked, and I'm going to come back on another show and answer this one. Just, it's on the basis of why doesn't Google show results for all pages? When you do a search for the website, i.e. when I type in site colon www.snootypaws.com.au, it shows some of the pages, but the rest of them are indented. Now, when I've tried this, done exactly that, none of them have been indented for this particular website. Now, this may have been an issue with Google supplemental results. And Google supplemental results was when Google had the main set of results and they had some supplemental ones that they didn't see as much or as much value. Okay, And you used to be shown these, but Google has now stopped showing the supplemental results in the same way. So we've got somebody that's got some new information on supplemental pages in Google. So I'm going to get an update on that and I'm going to see if that relates to this answer. So one thing we will talk about in the next podcast is supplemental results in Google and what the situation with those currently is as well. Okay. Fantastic. I mean, funny to say, thanks, Clear, for sending in uh, those questions. Keep them coming in. Anybody else wants to send them in, free plug for your website and obviously hopefully help you out. And uh, other than that, thanks for listening. Daniel Rowles, Managing Director of Academy Internet. Thank you very, very much indeed. Thank you, Andy. Cheers.
Now, before we move on to the next segment, let me mention Academy Internet. They provide the experts like Daniel, and they are a full-service online marketing agency who cover the full spectrum of online marketing activities and objectives. It's all about using the technology to make your business work, and they're happy to guarantee that they'll improve your return by at least 30%. You can find them at www.academyinternet.com, or you can call them on 44 if you're outside the UK, or zero within the UK, 1273-733-433. Okay, so now on to that next segment with Susie Miller of Certain Shops. Now, Susie has an interesting business model. It's an online directory of carefully selected service professionals. So I went to visit her in sunny Sussex, and here's the result. Enjoy. I'm in Forest Row. First visit to Forest Row. A lovely place. I don't know why Susie's smiling and laughing. It's a, it's a, it's a nice place. Uh, it's kind of... Any, anyway, it's in Sussex. And I'm with um, Susie Miller of Certain Shops, which is www.certainshops.com. Com. Mm-hmm. Now, Susie, tell me how Certain Shops started. No, before you tell me how it started, tell me what, what it is, and then tell me how it started. Right. It's... Uh Technically, it's an online directory of vetted professional service providers, but we're very, very different from any other directory that most people will have used. The reason people will come onto our site is because they want to talk to a lawyer, a life coach, a financial advisor, or anyone who can help them with their business and to some extent personal life as well, because busy people also need divorce lawyers, mediators and travel agents. So we have a very wide range of professional service providers who are all vetted beforehand, before they're allowed onto the site. But what makes us totally different, apart from the fact that everyone you talk to, I've personally spoken to three previous clients before they're allowed on the site, we don't just send you off to a URL. We showcase the professionals. It's actually a bit more like using a a dating site, to be honest. Mm. You've got a picture rather than a logo. You've got testimonials from previous clients. You can really get a sense of who that person is before you even contact them. And then we try to make it as easy as possible to contact people. So you don't have to wait till nine o'clock the next morning to phone them up. You can be sitting there at 11 o'clock at night online. Just send them an email through the site and tell them what your problem is. You want them to contact you and where and how. They will get in contact with you Mm. and they will find out what your problem is and how they can help you. None of this costs you anything. There is no obligation at all to use their services. And at the very least, you'll find out you'll find out what you need to do next, whether they can help you. If they can't help you, they may well be able to recommend someone else to you who can help you. So it's a kind of facilitator of, um, I'm just trying to think, if I was, say, looking for, ooh, I don't know, a, a, a TV repairman. That shows my age, actually, doesn't it? Because you don't really get TV repairman anymore, do you? But let's just imagine we're back in the 1970s and I'm on a TV and somehow your site existed in the 1970s and the internet existed, but never mind. Um, so I would go into your site, find... Um, a TV repairman, <laughs> and and I could I could see what other people thought of him as well. We're a very specific directory, is that we only promote professional service providers who are people like lawyers, life coaches, financial people, business, business consultants. We don't have any plumbers or sadly TV repairmen either. Uh, what we one of the reasons for this is that we want to be very specific for the needs of, of small businesses and very busy people and they're going to spend money on using professional people. I guess what we're really doing is we're helping people outsource. So the problem with outsourcing, uh, which Joe and I found when we first started certain shops, is that we just didn't know enough really good people and we had to take a lot of 
uh, risks really we had to guess or use our intuition as to whether someone was was worth taking on for a particular job which usually worked out but what we decided in that process was, was wouldn't it be brilliant if every person we hired whether it's PR or copywriting that that person had uh, three at least three clients who'd already told us yep they're great and by wishing that we could have that we decided that actually that would be a really good service there was a real need for that because as far as we could see that didn't exist so that is why we really started certain shops so it is a directory in the sense that you can have very easy access online to a range of professional people but that's probably pretty much where the similarity ends it's much more interactive experience we also have uh, or have begun to have blogs and we have we're setting up a more interactive aspect to the site so if someone comes in and is for example getting married or they're starting a new business we want them to be able to come in and be part of a of a social networking community where they can discuss their issues and their problems or give advice to each other and that's perhaps more of a vision for how we want to grow in the future but the bedrock of what we do is to give access to really good professionals who who will help move your business forward help sort out life balance issues but sadly will not fix your television <laughs> so it's basically um, a site that uses like communal intelligence to recommend people now i know there's one or two other sites that do a similar thing and i was just wondering what makes you unique and there are quite a few springing up, which is a good thing because it shows that people more and more want feedback. They want to know if if a, comp- if a company or a service provider is good mm. and, and is going to give them what they want. I think where we're different is that we don't just say loads of other people have said this person is good. Mm. What we say, we go much further than that. We say we personally check them out so we're sure of them. Mm. We have testimonials showing that a range of other people say they're good and this is what they say. But we also make them sign a contract and in that contract they have to accept, and this is the bit they actually like, strangely enough, is that they must consistently get good feedback because mm. if they don't they have to leave the site. Right. And that's the part that most of the service providers like because they they're really good at what they do and they they know that they're not going to get three different clients saying bad things about them it's just uh, very unlikely to happen and we police that all the time and monitor it because it's our reputation as a business that's at stake here it's not something that's just down to the reputation of the service provider so it's our in our own interest to keep a very very high quality of service provider there and i think that's really what makes us different from the other sites that are doing the same kind of thing as, as far as trying to go for quality there's another big difference i think it's very difficult to get quality with quantity and one thing we do that's very different is we limit the number of service providers on the site mm. initially it will only be five per service area and when they're very very busy because our job is to bring them in qualified clients and keep them busy once that's done we will expand to 10 per service area and that's it uh, so we're not going to have hundreds of people uh, to choose from because that dilutes the uh, trust I think that, that users will have in their quality we're just going to get some really really good people get them lots of work and keep them happy mm-hmm. and then we've providing a fantastic resource to anybody who comes onto the site who's looking for quality professional who they don't they don't mind paying a, a fair amount of money for someone who's going to not just do a good job 
but give them a good service. Mm. And the service is vital because how do you know if your lawyer's done a good job or your accountant's gone, done a good job? You, it's very difficult to judge. It's not quite as easy as knowing if your plumber's done a good job. Mm. So what, what we put our emphasis on is service. We want to make sure that everyone who comes to the site, we will always ask them politely to give feedback and we want to find out not, not whether they think they've got a really good contract or not but whether they feel that they had a good service and they were well treated and not just by the service provider but the whole experience of using certain shops and as um, as a resource mm. so uh, yeah that's that's the other thing that makes us quite different i think from from our competitors i think this whole feedback system that you can get on the internet is just so powerful and we see examples of it all over the net and there was one example i was thinking of that reminded me a little bit of of how your system works and would you believe it i can't remember which one it is it's 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 a site that allows people to give feedback is it amazon.com it might be but in the same way that amazon.com allows people to give feedback on books and you know dvds and things like that so you're allowing people to give feedback on on professional service providers because this is a B2B um, service offering, isn't it? But we don't just allow them to give feedback. We take notice of it. And as I said, if if, uh, any service provider gets a certain amount of poor feedback, contractually they have to leave the site. So we don't just encourage feedback. We look at it, we take notice of it, and we act upon it. Mm -hmm. And that's quite a big difference. So it's not about saying put your votes in here so other people can say, well, that many people preferred him to her. We don't actually think that's particularly useful when you're looking for a quality lawyer or PR company. We think it's much better that you talk to them yourself and decide for yourself. But you're busy, so you don't want to talk to 20, 30 different companies. You want to start with a select group who've already been recommended and through a source where you know there is a a very strict quality control monitoring process. What about geographic boundaries? Are you, are, you, are you operating just in the UK at the moment, or how, how does that work? At the moment, we're UK-wide. Again, we're a bit unusual to most other directories um, in that we don't, we're not looking to start with a small area and then franchise it out and, and, and make people pay for each area. The minute you come, a service provider is on our site, they are automatically UK-wide, and this is because it's for the benefit of the user. If I'm looking for... Um, a business consultant and I just want an online business health check I don't need to have someone who's local I might find that someone who's in another part of the country has very good uh, testimonials I like them and they not then perhaps not charging London prices so I want to have that choice so we make everybody UK wide as we grow we will regionalize in the sense that we will create seven regions throughout the whole of the UK and the maximum will be 10 service providers in each shop in each region and that will mean that if you want to have someone in the south or in london that just means from a searching point of view you can target them first Mm. but you can also choose from any of the service providers throughout the whole of the uk so we've come at it from what would be most useful for the user user rather than what's a conventional business model for a a similar kind of site Mm. Do you think it might go international one day, or what are the future plans? Absolutely, uh, because especially I was, I was at um, a Twitter meetup the other night, and they were saying how... Uh, Hang on, a Twitter meetup? Meet yes. You I mean, mean Twitter people actually physically yeah, meet up? Physically met in London. It was very exciting, and great to meet the real faces behind the... Um, the especially the people who have the avatars. Um, and 
how much better they look. Than what? <laughs> the, the, the monkey face or whatever it is. <laughs> oh, sorry, than the avatar, right. Yes, than the avatar. Um, but I was talking to a marketer then who's a French woman. She was saying how far ahead, about three years, she reckoned, ahead in France for internet, social network type marketing. And I happen to know there's a lot of French people wanting to start up businesses here because it's apparently quite difficult in France and very bureaucratic and also there's plenty of expats so there's plenty of countries in particularly in Europe where people still want to have their wills and trusts done here or they have legal issues they want sorted here or they have businesses that want to start up here so I think we're an ideal site for people who are abroad because they can access us so easily through the internet and again we're it's quality checked and they can build uh, good relationships with potential service providers and people they want to outsource to before they come and actually meet them. And and one thing that we do ask of all our service providers is that they do at least one thing that is remote. So although most people want to meet up and, and work in person, we make sure that everyone can offer something. So, for example, we have a divorce lawyer who, if it's not a complicated divorce can do it through the internet you don't have to meet her so she could do that internationally mm. for anyone who's got a, who needs a uk divorce the same with our business consultant she can do an on, online business health check so we we do try to make sure that right from the beginning we're offering something that's not just uk wide but anyone who needs to use a uk based service provider can access this worldwide in fact mm. from their armchair well, I think it's really fantastic. It's it's a real leverage of the um, communal intelligence, I, I like to call it. Mm. Actually, one of the things that I meant to ask at the beginning, Susie, which, which I, I didn't ask, but I'll ask at the end, very inappropriate, is <laughs> just tell us how it actually got started. The reason Certain Shops uh, was born was because uh, my friend Joe Parker and I, we were both single about the same time, and we kept meeting up, and we just found ourselves continually discussing potential business ideas and we worked together for about a year and then certain shops evolved out of our own realization that we we didn't know enough professional people who we could trust and we were relying on word of mouth which is great but one maybe two people recommending someone doesn't seem enough and we thought wouldn't it be great if we could talk to professionals lawyers accountants who at least three people had said to us they're really really good and we realised that, that that wasn't possible, uh, so that became our business, and that's what we created. Uh, we wanted to create something that was very accessible, because being having young children at the time, we, breakfast meetings were out of the question, so general, a lot of networking events were very difficult to access, which made it even more... We became even more conscious of, of how hard it is to find time and space to meet the right number of people that you need to create a business and run a business and just to deal with other aspects of of life as well. So we made it an online directory right from the start and we made it so that the onus is on the service provider to contact the user. All the user has to do is register for free and put in what they want to talk about and where and how to be contacted and then relax because the service provider will then contact them and and give them a free effect, effectively a free consultation where they can talk to them about what they need and how they can help them and then the user can decide if they want to use them we wanted to create something that was very user-friendly accessible you could access it anywhere especially now so many people uh, using the internet on their phone and so that's basically what we did that's how certain shops was born mm. and now joe works more on the sales side and i'm the director of the company mm. 
and run run the whole shebang as it grows and develops the main vision really for certain shops is to keep that quality stat which we have mm-hmm. and continue to maintain the trust that we have with with users using the site by consistently monitoring the quality of our service providers through our feedback processes and the very systems that we have in place Mm -hmm. to make sure that we stay a place where you'll be certain to get somebody good and certain to be treated well and have a good service. Well, Susie, it's been great talking to you. So it's www.certainshops.com and that's spelled C-E-R-T-A-I-N-S-H-O-P-S dot Com. That's right. Fantastic. Thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would like to hear from you, so if you have any questions or comments that you'd like featured on the show, please do send them to info at academyinternet.com. Do feel free to send in MP3 files if you'd like to um, leave an audio comment and we'll play them. And if you're a subscriber, then we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this podcast to be delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes or at the academyinternet.com website and follow the subscription buttons. We'd also love to receive comments via iTunes and the podcast directories. So this is Andy White signing off and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Thank you.